Welcome to Away From The Keyboard. We give you a glimpse into the lives, interests, and tech behind today's technologists. Please join our hosts, Cecil Phillip and Richie Rump, as we get away from the keyboard. Welcome to Away From The Keyboard, where technologists tell their stories of how they started, how they grew, how they learned, and how they unwind. My name is Richie Rump, and with me are my co-host, Cecil Phillip. How are you doing today, Cecil? Hello, sir. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. I hear we have another South Florida event coming up. We do. We have the Xamarin Dev Days Miami that's going to be on September 26th. Uh, it actually starts, I believe, at 8.30 a.m. and it goes you know, all the way down to the afternoon. For everybody that's listening that does not know what Xamarin Dev Days is, it's actually a day-long training workshop session with some folks from Xamarin, some folks from the local community. And you know everybody gets together to talk about what it's like to build mobile applications with .NET technology. This should be a really good time. What's really sad about it, though, is that at this moment, we're actually out of space. <sighs> Isn't it the final frontier? <laughs> so we're out of the final frontier. That's pretty we're sad. We're out of the final frontier. Yeah, that's, that is There's sad. There's no final frontier. <laughs> and there is no space at Xamarin Dev Days. And there's no space at Xamarin Dev Days. The world is coming to an end, if you guys didn't know. <laughs> but you know one of the cool things about Xamarin Dev Days is although South Florida may be sold out is that they have Dev Days Xamarin Dev Days all over the country so if you want to check the Xamarin website see where Dev Day is coming close to you uh, you can go ahead and do that yeah definitely do that so who are we talking to today Cecil? so today we're talking to Stacy McKay so Stacy is a technical evangelist at Microsoft where she focuses on making the web a more interesting place She's an international speaker, teaches kids how to code with younggamemakers.com, and is a consumer of cupcakes. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Hey, gotta love me some cupcakes, man. Yep. She can be found ranting on her blog at thebitchwhocodes.com. Can, um, can I say that? I didn't hear the congas go off, so I'm assuming it's okay. I just wouldn't try it a second time. Yeah, let's just leave it at that. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I really liked about this conversation is, you know, we really got into some stuff that I don't actually talk about a lot, which is the devices and IoT side. Stacy's really been in that kind of uh, area and really knowledgeable. And it was great to talk to her about the devices and IoT and all that other stuff. And, you know, I think it's not a secret that I personally have some concerns about that. And we were able to actually get into that conversation a little bit in our conversation with, uh, with Stacy. Yeah, you got some irrational fears about your devices, man. Yeah, just a little bit. You know, I have like this uh, this Toy Story fear of, of stuff coming to life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hate to tell you this, but they're not unwarranted. <sighs> now you're just trying to scare me. Okay. <laughs> so this episode was recorded on August 18th, 2015. And now our conversation with Stacey Mulcahy. And now, away from the keyboard's feature conversation. You're a little bit of a like a gadget geek a little bit. Like you like playing with and tinker with tools and stuff like that. I love toys. I mean, I'm for sure like curious on how things work and I, I don't care who makes it. Like I'm not a I'm kinda agnostic when it comes to that. I don't a fanboy of, of any one kind of uh, brand. And so like I, I you know, like I, I got an Apple watch, tried that out, you know, before that I had a pebble. I'm not really a watch fan. 
But yeah, definitely. If there's like toys that I think are interesting, connected stuff, especially lately, I'm kind of, I'm, I, yeah, I'm into. I would say that I have a couple of drawers of stuff that I could probably pull out and probably show my age a little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still really skeptical about where this smartwatch thing is going. Other than getting, you know, a buzz or a beep of notifications on my arm, you know, I'm, I'm not quite sure what else are we going to do with it. Like, is, is that it, right? Is that where it, it stops or it ends? Just, just blinking lights and, you know, vibrating wrists and, and that's it? Well, I mean, I, you know, are you a watch person in general? I, I do love watches, actually. Okay. Okay. So, like, I'm totally not. And I had the pebble and I was just like, why do I have this? Like, I have no interest. And I'm actually really lucky. The the Apple Watch, I actually won online. There was like a t-shirt company that when you bought t-shirts, they put your name into a draw. It was Cottonborough. And so I, I won mine. And so I was like, okay, you know, for a week, I was like, I'm going to wear this even though I, I'm not a jewelry or watch person. And, you know, I, when I was biking, it was handy. But again, it was the same thing. It was like, oh, there's a notification that I got an email or there's a, you know, someone's texting me. I can quickly text them back, which is handy given the circumstance. But I'm, I'm the same as you. I'm kind of like, I don't I don't really know where this is going because it's just it's such a mess to me on so many things like the apps, the way that, you know, you have such a small screen space and what you can do. And, and do I want to do it? Like, that's the other thing. You know, I mean, I have my phone. Do I really want to have a constant reminder that like people want from me all the time on my wrist? <laughs> like, do I? I don't know. You know what I mean? And so I struggle sure. with that. You know, I, I think it's interesting to see like how some of the UX is really interesting. And I, I, I always just kind of evaluate those things for what it is. And technology always has this way of or gadgets or any of that stuff. It has this way of like pushing the boundaries of what we can do. And, and you know, we can make it small enough and powerful enough. And it's actually making more sense and it's affordable and all that great stuff. But, you know, it pushes it and then it and then it finds its place, you know, and so. I don't know. It takes a while for that stuff to fall into place. I just feel like the smartwatch stuff, I don't I don't know if I'll ever be really into it, to be honest. So are you seeing the watch kind of thing as kind of like an experiment? Hey, how is this going to work? Kind of like Google Glass was? Sure. Yeah, totally. I mean, don't you? Don't you kind of like think, isn't that what any of these gadgets are? Like even drones. Drones are awesome. They're really cool. Like, and they probably, some applications are very practical. But like, again... To me, I don't know, all, all that stuff coming out, all the form factors, all the different types of technologies, it's, they're all just big experiments waiting to find their, their rightful place, you know? Yeah, I think since now we're seeing, for instance, like Android is going in, into the car and, you know, it's on the television and, you know, the same thing with iOS. iOS is now on your watch. You know, we're taking these mobile operating systems out into these different form factors. I'm really just trying to understand, like, what exactly can we do with these things, right? And how far can we push the bar of technology? Because again, for me, like, if I'm going to have something on my wrist, if I'm going to have iOS or Android on my wrist, it has to be more than the watch. Like, the screen needs to be bigger than the face of a watch. It needs to do more for me than that. And again, I'm a watch guy, right? Like, I, I, I came up in the era of, you know, my dad always used to say, like, a gentleman needs to have a nice watch. And I, <laughs> and I get it, and that's great. But some of the things that I want, that I'd want out of a smartwatch, for me, is it don't really fit with how I'd want to go out and wear a classic watch. You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, yeah. I want a nice watch, a nice leather band, but at the same time, too, in a smart watch, I might want to go run with it. I'm, I'm going to sweat in it. I'm going to want to swim with it. 
it's, it's kind of like a different use case almost. Like I wouldn't want to do that with the traditional type wash that I probably want to wear, you know? So for me, like I need to have something more. Maybe it's a, you know, maybe, you know, if you enter sci-fi and stuff like that, like maybe it's like a, like a risk communicator or something like that, right? Like something really wacky, like out of, um, out of Star Trek or something. But <laughs> Oh, I'd I mean- buy that. <laughs> I completely would buy the next generation communicator. That makes lots of sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Just, just wait a couple months. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, is there something that you want to announce here that Microsoft's coming out with? <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> 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 no, but I mean, you know, there's something for me lately, especially with all these things that are coming out and like all these chip and everything you can imagine and it's smart and all this, all this bombardment of like being connected. There's something for me that's just like really lovely about embracing a little bit of the analog and 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 for for me the smartwatch is one of those things where I'm like I'm just not into it you know like I can look at my phone for the time and all the rest of it and I tried it you know I tried it and I don't know the more that we get all these like crazy ways to keep connected the more I'm kind of seeking like analog experiences you're not the first person I've heard say that and it's it's so true I love how technology has given us this ability to communicate in real time with anybody across the world. But, you know, I also love the time when, you know, my grandmother used to have this phone. It was a rotary phone. So, you know, you put your finger in the phone and you turn it and it goes click, 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 click. has no idea what that is, by the way. Awesome. Or a modem dial tone. He's like, what? Like, yeah. Exactly. And I loved when I left the house and you couldn't find me until I came back home. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not even the rotary phone. Think about it. Like the tactileness of doing that. Like when you were like you weren't accidentally butt dialing someone, you know what I mean? Like you were like consciously picking up the phone. You had that number either memorized or written down somewhere. And you were making this and you're making this conscious decision to call someone with a purpose and you're doing it with purpose, right? Like you're actually taking I mean, it was it probably took you like 30 seconds to dial. You know what I mean? And now it's just like a push of a button with a, I, half the time I can't remember my own number. Like <laughs> numbers are just, you know what I mean? So it's just a, it's, it's a different way of, of interacting and, and like in the same lines, I love writing letters. Like I am, I am so big on sitting down with a pen and just writing whatever comes to my head. And like even last year, for example, I would, write down random stuff I would seal them in envelopes and then I'd say who wants a letter and it wasn't written to them particularly you know like hey John how's it going it was just like the act of writing and sending snail mail you know old school mail and I love that because when someone sends you something in an email and they send it written there's it's a different experience and it has a different sentiment to me personally you know I'm still finding some of those things I'm I'm having a hard time of letting go. Like I love to write letters or, or I like the tactileness of reading a book. Like I feel very, I feel like I accomplished something when I'm at the last page of a book on a Kindle. I'm just like, I don't know. I'm just swiping. You know what I mean? Like I have no idea how many pages except for this really bad UI that tells me at the bottom. Like, whereas a book you're like, Oh, you look at it and you're like, Oh my God, I'm halfway through. Yes. I'm going to finish this goddamn thing, you know? And it's, it's different. I know one of the things I remember from from when I was a kid, I used to go into one of the back rooms we had, and there was this bookshelf of all my dad's old books, right? So his his old medical books, you know, some old novels that he had, 
books about Malcolm X and um, Martin Luther King and, and all of these things. And I remember that how much I used to love going in the back there and saying, you know, I'm going to read one of my dad's books because I want to be a big boy. Yeah. There was, there was something about that. Like you said, like, I've, like this has now been passed down to me. Like he's passed down some of these books to me. And so there's, there's something tangible that's there. You don't really get the same feel from, for digital content, yeah. right? Like, like you can copy paste files to anybody. Like it really doesn't mean anything. It's, it's just, you know, no duplication of information. Yeah. And well, I mean, like your example, I think of like encyclopedias. Like I grew up when we had like a set of encyclopedias, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. everything you need to know was, <laughs> was in these books, you know, cause like nothing got added and like things don't change over time. But you would open up one of these books and you were just like, oh, I'm opening up the world to knowledge. You know, it was like, it's like the initial, honestly, when you think about it, it's kind of like the, the first browser search in some ways, right? Like, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to read about it. But like, there's something about that process of like opening up that book and finding what you need and looking it up in the index or wherever you got to go. And that, that idea that like, you know, you're opening up this book of knowledge, right? And like, everything's going to be revealed to you. And now it's just like, eh, Google, tell me, you know, like, or sorry, Bing, I guess, but like, you know, like, it's one of those <laughs> things. It's just it's such a different process. And in some ways, I don't know, maybe I'm a little sentimental about it. Like, I like to, you know, teach my nieces and nephews, like, you know, like back in my day, I walked 10 miles and opened up an encyclopedia and like, you know, there were books in a library or whatever. But like, I don't know, I try to share that with them in as many ways as I can. Like, hey, listen to this record. Like, how good does this sound? Like, how different is this experience to you? You know, and, and I, I don't know, I'm just, I can't let go. I can't let go. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I'm going to uh, leave my kids all my VB3 and com books. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't do that to your children. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm kind of interested. So how do you feel about Internet of Things and like that whole Internet of Things movement that people have been talking about and you've been hearing it on the news and, you know, seeing people blog about it and stuff like that? I think it's like, I think Internet of Things is like one of those super vague terms, you know, like, I mean, think about Big it, data. the word thing, <laughs> that's like stuff. That's like saying, hey, my name's Stacy and I like stuff, right? Like it's, it's pretty vague and I kind of, I kind of like that about it. Um, and I, I think that the Internet of Things is fascinating because I think that for the average uh, person, it's, it's really empowering, like building for it and making for it. I also love the fact that like maker culture um, has really been embraced and elevated. People no longer look at these, you know, maker fair people or like DIY people or hobbyists where they no longer look at them as like, eh, it's a weekend project. They're just like, they're looking at them like the potential available in this is immense. And so I think there's a lot of things about it I really, really like. And I think that you can see why it's so popular, especially with big business in terms of just they can store all this data, do some predictive analysis on the data, you know, predict patterns. You know, there's a lot of lot of ways that if they're smart about it, they can be saving so much money. And so, you know, big business is all over it. But I think for the average, just average dev who's kind of curious, I think it's just a really fun time, to be honest, because there's so many things out there that you can start playing with 
and so many languages. And again, I think it's one of those things that's trying to find its place. And, and you see very good applications and smart applications. Like I heard someone was mentioning, which I thought was genius, but they were like, oh yeah, we hacked a Roomba uh, so that it had like an RFID kind of like reader on it. And every night the Roomba would go around the shop you know, it was like in a retail shop and it would go around the shop cleaning the carpets, but it would also be doing inventory while it was oh. cleaning the carpets. And this is old, like this is, you know, at least three or four years ago, I remember hearing this and I thought, you know, like that's like, that's what I want to hear about. You know, those are the the crazy kind of things I'm, I'm, I'm super interested in. But, you know, I think Internet of Things is, is big business, right? So um, it's, it's hard to find joy in big business sometimes. You know, I think I'm very terrified about the thought of all of the devices in my house having an IP address and having them talk to each other. That for me <laughs> is a have... terrifying thought. They, what would they have... say about you? Exactly. Can exactly. you imagine? <laughs> you know, the fridge is going to say, well, he comes in here way too much. <laughs> like, oh my God, you should have seen what he ate. And like the scale told him not to, you know, like, <laughs> like they're just gossiping around you the entire time. But. Exactly. Right. Like the oven's going to call my doctor and say, hey, I just baked a cake and this cake <laughs> is huge. He doesn't need to eat all of his food. Right. And then he's going to call my insurance guy. And the insurance guy is going to be like, well, your oven told me, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you're at heart risk. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, the idea of every item in my house being connected. No, nah, that's not cool to me. Like and also not practical and not, I don't know, not anything I'm necessarily into. But, you know, there are certain things where I think that are super awesome, you know, whether it be like a smart like nest or whether it be like notifying you that you left a window open or turning on your lights at a specific time. And I think there's some really practical things for sure. But I don't know. I mean, it's so easy. Like, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should, you know, and I think that like, that's that whole thing of like, every device is connected, like, do I care that my toaster is going to tweet at me when it's my bread is burning? No. Right. right. So I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, but you know what it is? It's also like, I think it's scary too, because it, it means that you're, you're, you're giving up a little bit of control, right? You're no longer, you're no longer driving. It's like you put on autopilot. And I think for a lot of people, whether it's a security issue, whether it's just like, in, you know, independence, whatever it may be, I think that, that that's also a hard thing to kind of process too. I mean, that's an interesting thing you, you, had, you just brought up about maybe we shouldn't be doing some of these things. And especially with the, the news that came out the other day where folks were hacking into cars via oh an God. app. Yeah. And it's, should For we real. have actually, yeah, you know, should have we have actually have that functionality in our cars? Yeah, well, you know, I think I think a lot of that comes down to like this kind of with power, there's responsibility. And I think that you're seeing that, you know, um, the security is, is such a big one right now, especially with Internet of Things, like any kind of Internet of Things architecture, like w the primary concern there is, is, you know, figuring out a proper gateway structure so that you, you know, you have all those security angles covered. And security is such a scary thing because, you know, when you think about when they probably created that and tested that hardware and software together when they thought about going to market, when they actually went to market, all that stuff. I mean, that was at least a year ago, a year and a half ago, if not more, right? This stuff changes so quick. And so when you think about that, you know, security's 
security's scary, man. And that's a scary, I mean, that's a very scary thing. You know, and you think about it, well, if they can control my car, then they can probably turn my stove on when I'm not home. Yeah, I think that, uh, again, I think giving control to something else over over something that you're very used to controlling yourself and being decisive, decisive about yourself and being um, present when you do it, so to speak, like understanding what you're doing. I think that's, I think that's hard. That's scary though. Like, can you, like, what do you even do? Like, okay. <laughs> I think for me, I'm fine with it being a do-it-yourself type project, like a home improvement. Hey, I'm going to do some stuff to my house type project. But the minute that we're talking about, you know, sending stuff outside of my home and going out into the, the cloud space, I, yeah. I'm, I'm terrified. I don't want that to happen at all. I'm not interested. Yeah. And I don't think you're alone on that. Like, and I think that that's, I think that people are super aware of like, of that in particular, like of that, of being hesitant, because imagine you're, you're one person who's talking about maybe installing one thing. And, and then there's these companies who are going to manufacture thousands, millions of these devices. And, and that's our primary concern too. Right. So I don't think you're alone on that one for sure. I, I'm I'm kind of the same way. I I'm still a little freaked out by like you know I'm okay if I put something on my wrist and it's gonna tell you tell you how many like steps you did today. I'm cool with that. Yeah, that's fine. But I think like you know the idea of having the ability to unlock my door from my phone, as convenient as it sounds, it still creeps me out. Like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> like I just yeah. get weirded out by that. So why don't you tell us what are some of the things that you're really passionate about? I guess, you know, it's kind of funny this year. Wow, it's weird to phrase this this way. But I guess for the last couple of years, and I don't know if this was a conscious thing that I was doing, or if it's just something I was doing unconsciously, and I have just only recently recognized it. But every year I try to work on something like personally, and I know it sounds really weird. And it's not a New Year's resolution. Like it's not like a I'm gonna lose 20 pounds. It's definitely like I'm trying to make myself a better person. And I know that sounds wow, that sounds so ridiculous. But so, you know, like one year I had a, a friend say to me, like, you know, you really suck at compliments. Like, holy, <laughs> like you, you, you know, like you're funny, man, but like you deflect everything and it's really annoying. And it is. So that year I worked on that, you know, and I got better and I was able to say thank you. And I know it sounds all these little things, but leading up to that, I guess what I discovered about myself this year, I decided this year was going to be the year that I do a lot of travel. Uh, I speak a lot. I'm, I'm public facing, you know, all this stuff. But like, what good am I doing? Am I doing any good to the community? And am I adding any value to the community outside of information, outside of content creation? Because, you know, for me personally, I've, I've grown so much from uh, the development community, being able to talk to people, being able to read stuff, anything people contributed back. And I thought, well, what am I contributing, you know, outside of like, here's a how-to on something, right? And so I started uh, volunteering this year a lot. And, um, oh, nice. you know, yeah, and it's a little crazy. So I guess I, I, I guess I can go through the story really quick. But I was at a conference uh, and I went to a women's event and, you know, women in technology, big thing right now. Uh, in terms of just like awareness around it. And they had a women's event. And, and normally I don't necessarily go to those things. And I went, it was in Halifax. And they had high school students there, which I thought was really cool. I'd never really seen like, uh, you know, high school students at a conference. And so so I was teaching like an Arduino workshop. And I had a girl sit down and she was telling me all about herself. And she was like a game maker. 
or sorry, she was like a child of gaming and her parents were, you know, they met online, uh, playing games and like, you know, they got together, they had her, she grew up like games all the time. And you could tell just by talking to her that she was like really, really smart and really aware of strategy and deep, profound understanding of of how games created and like who's done what and like you know just amazing and so i'd asked her like hey have you ever built a game like you're how old like 15 and she's like no i've never built the game and i was like okay well listen i'm speaking on this day like i have nothing to do outside of that like i can go to sessions you know i'm here to be here so if you want to make a game we'll sit down and make a game so over a course of three days we made a game and i taught her unity and some c sharp and I was tweeting about it and Adobe, they're so great. They are like, here, let's give her, you know, creative cloud license. And I was like, oh, that's so awesome. Like people are getting it. You know, we built the game or whatever. And she ended up getting like an internship out of that. Um, One of the companies in in Halifax was like, yeah, I love what you're doing. We want to give you some valuable experience. So she got like, you know, an internship at a mobile, I think it was like a mobile app company, basically started her career if she wanted it, you know, if she wanted to explore that. And I thought, like, why am I not doing this more? This is so easy for me to do. And I don't mean that in a, like, a big on myself, you know, kind of a big deal or anything. I just mean, like, it's just so easy. It's just, it's just there. It's just time. I'm already there. Why am I not doing this more? So when I came back from that, I think I was, like, oddly, profoundly changed. <laughs> and, uh, and I started, like, okay, you know what? Screw adults because I deal with adults every day and people are just gross in general. So I was like, you know, kids are awesome. And I started something called Young Game Makers. And I volunteered, you know, to run this, to find people, to organize it, to create the curriculum. And so we run, ran a couple of big sessions in like New York and Boston and Atlanta. And then once a month in New York, we have it. And now we're building this little community of kids between the ages of anywhere from six to 13, maybe a little bit older. I get equal amount girls, equal amount boys. They both see me teaching them. They both see I pull in indie game devs who are like actually trying to do it for a living. You know, they get experience from them. And you see these kids who are learning to create with code and embrace that. And I just was like, this is what I'm doing. I guess that's my passion, you know, in the last year a little bit is, and I speak about it a lot because I think it's really important that if you've never like spent a day volunteering back in a way, and I don't mean necessarily like going to help build a house or something that's outside your comfort zone. I think that's great too, but I think like if you have these skills and you're making money off of it and it is like something that's very tangible and you, you kind of wield it like a knife, you know, like why aren't you showing other people how to put that in that toolkit? Like it's so easy. And, and the minute that you kind of step back, especially with kids, you spend that day and, um, and I spend a lot of days, like we were doing the hours the other day and, um, I, I mean, I've probably logged over, I don't know, it has to be over 450 hours in the last maybe eight months. Like, we're talking I don't have a life. Like, and it's a little sad, but that's what I decided I was going to do. The moment that you, you walk away and, like, kids are just so awesome. Like, I had a girl a couple weeks ago who just came up and hugged me and she was like, I like you. And I was like, why isn't life like this? Like, why isn't it so simple? You, you'll get, like, I was uh, helping some boys the other day, um, some scouts with their 3D printed um, uh, boats or one of the guys, you know, I helped one of the kids and one of the other kids was like 
said to this kid, she's having a problem. He's like, just go, just go ask her. Like, she totally knows what she's talking about. She totally helped me. And I was like, oh my God, it's like a LinkedIn endorsement from a kid, you know? <laughs> I was like, I think I win. And it's just like, you know, one of those things. And, the, and you realize that like, you have this moment. I, I get a little, I get a little misty when I talk about it, but and it's not just about like girls in tech or women in tech because that's not my agenda here. My whole thing is you have this moment with this child who does not know what they're going to be and shouldn't know what they're going to be, but you are opening a door and all you can do is open a door and hope that maybe they'll go through it. Maybe that, you know, instead of slamming the door shut because people are going to do that their entire life to that kid, that you can just open it. And so I take that stuff kind of seriously, I think, because we've all had a bad teacher, right? Like a teacher that sucks. And and yep. you're like, oh, my God, I hate math, right? Or I can't stand this because of that. And it turns you right off. And and for me, I just I, I find those moments are very precious and that you need to treat them with the most respect that you can. And so I guess that's what I've been doing. And that's what I'm passionate about is, I don't know. I don't know if it's mentor, but it's just trying to open up possibilities for people. And I've been doing it community-wise too and industry-wise, like instead of taking all the opportunities and grabbing and grabbing and grabbing, you know, like, oh, speak here and do this. And yeah, I actually am starting, especially this year along with volunteering, it's just who are the people that I can bring up with me? If, if I've been lucky enough to have some success, who are the, who, who, who else can I give opportunities for? Who else can I open doors for? And so, you know, recommending people to speak, recommending people for certain projects or or connecting people I've been that's I don't know I know it sounds really lame because it sounds very much like my job <laughs> but it's it's you know kind of what I've been doing and and I think that's really what surprisingly I didn't realize I was passionate about until I was like a little in too deep and you're like oh crap all right this is my thing you know I'm going with this so but little things like that oh let me not say little things but you know, involving yourself with, with children and being able to help people and help them and watch them learn, for me, is one of the most rewarding things that you could ever do. Because, oh, yeah. Because the potential that you've now put into that person, right? Like like you said, like you've completely opened the door and opened their eyes to something that they probably didn't know they could, they could do before. And now they're going to be like, wow, like Miss Stacy, like she helped me do this. And now I can go and teach somebody else or I could go make a career out of this or hey, maybe I'll just do this for fun and I have a really new hobby that helps calm me down and chill me out when I'm, you know, a little bit frantic. You realize that you have influence, I think, you know, like even with your podcast, right? You have people who listen, you realize that they're listening, they're interested in what you're doing and that you have some sort of influence over them, whatever it is, you're willing them to do your bidding or whatever. But, you know, you have some kind of influence, but you don't really actually see it, right? And it's not very tangible, especially in a digital era, right? Like you're answering things on Stack Overflow, you know that you're helping people, but I don't know, it's just not the same. And so when you actually see a couple of these kids who are like, you know, I have one kid who emails me all the time, updating me on all the games that she makes, which I think is awesome. I have another kid in New York. He's great. And he's all like, hey, I really need your help. I'm building like a an arcade, you know, case for my thing. And uh, I could use some illustrator help. Do you think you could teach me? Like, you're starting to see these things where I don't know. I just never, I never thought that, I never thought that I, that I could maybe change someone's life. This is a weird way, and I'm not trying to change people's lives, but it's a weird way when you see that impact and you see that, like, you know that they're open to something. And I think it's just that's the most important part. And so, like, I'm always encouraging people, like, 
have you ever gone and volunteered, whether it's to whether it's to teach a coding class to women or whether it's to teach a, uh, you know, a newbies, whatever, or, or whether it's to go work with kids or whatever, like, but have you volunteered? Because there's no way your job should say to you, you know what, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give you a day off to do that. Like, you gotta think about where you're working at that point. Everyone, I just feel like it should be mandatory because it's just, I don't know. It's really changed me a, a lot. I'll be very honest. I don't think, uh, I don't know. I just recommend everyone does it. I think that especially if you if you have such a good experience, it, it you're going to come back a little bit different. What else does Stacy do to just relax and just chill out? And like when you want to be in your own thoughts and space out, like what do you do? Oh, my God. I'm so I'm I think people talk about extroverts and introverts way too much these days. But like I'm actually really an introvert. I can just turn it on like I can turn that dial and I don't know how or why. But I actually really like being by myself and I really, really like alone time. And it's funny, like about a year and a half ago, maybe two years, I can't remember. I've lived in New York for, you know, four and a half years or so. I've never owned a bike here and biking in New York is pretty scary. You basically, you know, you're riding your bike and the only way to bike in New York is to basically assume that every given second you might die, right? Like you're just (laughs) riding with constant fear. And so, and it makes you uber aware, right? Uh, a couple of years ago, I can't remember, I was having a really bad day. Like, it was just a crap day. And I'd been thinking about a bike. And I'm I'm not the most decisive person with with my choices. Like, I still have Ikea furniture that <laughs> I've been meaning to replace. For, like, I saw that on one of your videos. I'm yeah, like, yeah. that looks like my table. I bet you it's an Ikea table. <laughs> yeah, it's so, it's it's honestly, it's like, like, I've been meaning to get adult furniture for like four years, but I can't make a decision. So I just haven't like, I'm that kind of person, right? So I was having a really bad day. And uh, I was like, Oh, yeah, you know, I've been thinking about getting a bike. And in my area in I live in Brooklyn, there's like a really good bike shop, like, uh, you you know, the Yelp reviews are like off the charts, right? And the guy's really nice. And they like, fit you right up and everything. So I was like, you know what, I don't care. I'm like, Mama's spending some cash, right? Like, <laughs> I, I'm going to drop some green today. I've been meaning to, and it's going to make everything better. You know, I walk into the bike store and I was like, I want that. Like, it's like, I don't have that experience very often. And I'm just like, gimme, I want that. The only time I have that experience is like when I go into a pizza shop, you know, and it's like, yes, that, you know, so got a bike. And then I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to have to actually ride this thing, right? So I started riding my bike a lot in New York and, you know, my, our offices are, I don't have to go in the office a lot, but it's down in Times Square. I was like, how am I going to conquer this city on a bike? Like, this is scary. So the last, I don't know, last two years I've been, and I think you kind of get the bike bug in, in New York and I'm sure you do in other cities, as, you know, as well. But it's like you, you basically, it's just like, I'll bike there. doesn't matter where it is, you know, 40 miles, no problem. I'm, I'm going to bike. And I decided, you know, I was going to bike. And so now for me, it's like, I love biking, like long, long bike rides. We're talking, you know, I wouldn't say they're long. I mean, I guess it really depends on who you talk to, but 40K, 50K, 80K kind of thing, you know, something that takes you like a good couple hours or whatever. That's like my thing right now. That's like one of the things I love, I love, love, love to do. Biking is one thing I guess I definitely do. And I just, I don't know, man, there's just this feeling, especially in New York when you bike where you're just like, I can own the city. Like it is such a confidence builder, like when you're biking around. And so for me, it's just, I kind of get a little bit of a high off of that, especially if I'm biking down to work and I'm like, yeah, I'm in Times Square. 
I'm riding my bike in Times Square. That's right. Tourists, you know, like <laughs> get on my way, you know. And the funniest thing was I'm Canadian and um, I'm sure some people are going to be like, yeah, I recognize that accent. I was riding my bike across the Brooklyn Bridge, which, you know, Brooklyn Bridge is a beautiful, beautiful piece of architecture. And, you know, walking across and there's like a bike lane. And long story short, this guy kind of jumped in the bike lane. He's being a little bit of an idiot. I don't know. Maybe I've just gotten a little bit of the New Yorker in me. So I'm, I'm fairly, I'm fairly blunt, you know, and I yelled at him and I was like, you know, get the F out of the way. But I guess the way I said out, you know, like I had my accent, then he pointed and started laughing at me. And he's like, ah, Canadian. And I was like, I can't even try to be like an aggressive New Yorker in New York without getting called out. Right. So, you know, you have like moments like that, but. Yeah, biking. So are they going to let one... you back in Canada? Uh, I mean, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I, 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 aren't you aren't you supposed to like be apologetic and polite and all that? Isn't it like oh a, my god, a rule in yeah, Canada? oh yeah, no, no. I mean, Canadians. Oh my gosh, Canadians apologize for existing. Like I did that the other day. I got on the subway and like I had to take up space, right? Because I'm human. Like I got a body, and I apologized. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm taking your space, and I was like am I apologizing for existing? I was like, oh my God, it's so Canadian of me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I'm totally apologetic about everything. Like, doesn't matter what it is. I don't know if they'll let me back in. I mean, I, I think that's a little bit rubbed off the the apologetic bit. I don't know. I, it's part of our speech. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like punctuation, really. Right. A. Like, I ate your pizza. I'm sorry. You know, like, <laughs> that kind of thing it's just you know and a a i mean a is like a period and and, you know i'm sorry is like a semicolon i guess i don't know (laughs) yeah so it's it's so biking's definitely been one of those things like i have a lot of aggression it sounds really negative but i have a lot and i like to like bike flag football or touch football sports i grew up playing sports and like if i'm feeling whatever i will run the crap out of that um those are the kind of things i think that like you know, I've been doing. And the other thing, I guess, maybe, I mean, I went to school for journalism, which is kind of odd. Um, oh. And so I like to write and I, I like to, I'm trying to figure out, I guess, what my voice is in, in writing a little bit. So I, I'm on Medium and I'm writing usually just like family little stories and they tend to be a little ridiculous and a little funny. And so, yeah, that's probably, probably something else I enjoy. So I, I do have one question. Mm-hmm. What is Skrill T-Rex? Oh, my God. So I have, like, my thought process is a little convoluted at, at its best. And um, so Skrill T-Rex is this idea that I had. Um, so my nephew was, like, was spending time with my nephew. And every time I played a song, he'd be like, oh, the dubstep version is so much better. You know, and I'd be like, what the hell? This little 12-year-old. And he's like, you know, like just dubstep everything and he'd be like making me playlists with like dubstep everything like it, it could have been like lady in red and it was dubstep like anyways you know hotel <laughs> california dubstep and and so uh i was like this dubstep stuff is so funny and him and i were actually looking up videos online because you know he's like oh you know you can make your own dubstep and i'm like yeah i'm sure you can probably do it just one of those like sound programs like ableton or something so we like downloaded ableton we're looking at it 
you know, because kids are like YouTube fiends, right? So like they learn everything from YouTube. So we're watching some stuff on YouTube and, you know, he was learning how to make some dubstep. And then I was like looking at Ableton a little bit more because I'm not a sound person. And so I don't really know those tools. And I was like, hey, it's got MIDI controls. You know, that's kind of cool. Like that really means that like, you know, all these MIDI controllers that these DJs have and, and whatnot, like that's just a protocol. Like, you know, the nerd in me kind of just like clicks on, right? Like the light goes on. It's like the nerd alarm is like, (laughs) opportunity, opportunity must do something here. And so I was like thinking about it and I was like trying to look at like what it could control. And I was like, oh yeah, you could dynamically just generate like some of these common like dubstep, you know, bass sounds or whatever. So then I was like, like, you know, looking, it's like, okay, so dubstep. Okay. We got Skrillex And, and I don't know how it came up, but I was, uh, I was like, oh, I wonder what I, what I could do with this. And I was on Amazon looking for stuff, uh, as I often do. My, my search history is just like scary, I think at best. And, um, I saw like puppets and some of them were really bizarre. Someone was showing me these weird puppets, but then I saw like this really cute, like T-Rex puppet. And I always like make fun of, you know, like T-Rex arms, like when you're typing and stuff. So I was like, oh, that's awesome. And then I was like, T-Rex. And then I was like, oh, it's almost like Skrillex. I was like, oh, Skrill T-Rex. And I was like, what do I need to do to make this T-Rex look like Skrillex? And I was like, I just need to add some bad hair and some glasses. (laughs) And so I did that. And all I did was I put like a little bendy sensor in it, you know, and ran it through an Arduino um, and captured the value. So every time that the, the puppet would open up its mouth and then close it, it was basically starting a bass, uh, you know, dropping the bass. Uh, for lack of a better phrase. And so, you know, I started doing that and working with Ableton or whatever. And that's how that project came about. And it was just like, I don't know. I think it's totally useless, right? (laughs) But it's totally amusing. And it was like so fun to build because it was just like, I have a stupid idea. And and this is my personality, like personified perfectly here. And so I'm kind of like, that's kind of my my jam, I think, is just taking those like really weird ideas wherever they go and and just executing them because I find them super amusing and and I always hope that you know other people find them somewhat amusing as well. <laughs> so yeah, if you ever want, if you're a DJ out there and you wanted some you know puppet controllers, I got you covered. Well, well, here in South Florida, um, about half the population is a DJ. So. <laughs> Everyone's like. Get me her number. <laughs> I want a crow. <laughs> Dale. We'd like to thank Stacy for coming on the show. We had tons of fun speaking with her. Remember to tell your friends about the show and leave a comment on the website at awayfromthekeyboard.com or on Twitter at AFTK Podcast. You can also follow me at Cecil Phillip and Richie at Jars. That's J-O-R-R-I-S-S. You can subscribe to the show via the website or on iTunes. And if you really want to know what makes us tick, sign up to our newsletter where you get extra episodes and behind-the-scenes access to Away From The Keyboard. Next up on Away From The Keyboard, we'll have a conversation with JavaScript expert Elijah Matter. Take about maybe I'd say a year to get the bulk of the heavy lifting done where actually people can start using it. And then it only took like four months for like a half a million people to have accounts. Wow. And um, so it's really, it exceeded our expectations. Uh, we were actually all kind of worried. We we're like projecting like, how many users do you think we're going to have? And Wow. That's going to be a really fun one, I think. Yeah, it's going to be an awesome one. You know it is. For sure. We'll see you then. Ciao. Ciao, 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 ciao.
Please cut that up. Yeah. We want to thank you for listening to Away From The Keyboard. As a reminder, we will have new episodes each and every week. You can interact with us on Twitter at AFTK Podcast or at awayfromthekeyboard.com. Hasta luego! Yeah, it's it's also a bonus when at, you speak the conference and you have a complete train wreck worth of uh, of presentation, and then it's recorded for everybody to see. It's such, a, <laughs> such a great feeling. Listen, you know, I never. I was talking to someone about this today. I never listen to anything. Like, I won't listen to this podcast. Like, I never, I never <laughs> listen to anything. I never watch anything. Nothing. Like when it's done, it no longer exists to me. And that's the only way I can keep my own sanity, you know, and that's the only way I can feel okay. And sometimes I'll point, like, I'll point people to a link. Like, I guess they recorded this. It's on Vimeo. Here you go. Um, but I'll, I'll never have watched it myself. I'll be like, uh-uh, F that noise. You know, <laughs> like, I ain't doing that. I, it's just, I, you know, who likes the sound of their, their own voice? I mean, probably Morgan Freeman. But that's it. <laughs> you know, we had a, a, a guest. She was... Um, just starting in the code, she was a a, a former model, yeah. uh, like a, and she was, she just started. In, so we thought it'd be pretty interesting to talk to her. And so she IM'd us afterwards. She goes, "How do you listen to yourself?" <laughs> you know, and, I, and I'm like, "Yeah, because you got to edit right, so that's brutal." Yeah, yeah. And so, and, and <laughs> how do you get used to that? And we're and Cecil, I think you reply back as, "I'll let you know when I do." You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. I just, you know, and I think everyone has their own. I think some people are like, oh, you know, I'm going to watch that presentation they recorded because I really want to learn and make it better the next time. And I don't know, man, maybe I'm just like a carpe diem, you know, like no regrets, <laughs> you know, kind of person. <laughs> but like, No regrets. Exactly. <laughs> like, totally. Like, you can think of all the gifts I'm trying to reference right now. Like, I just, you know, I'm like, haters going to hate. I don't care. You know, I'm going to keep rolling. Like, that's just who I am. And I don't know, man. I just never look back. Never. So I do give kudos to people who can, for sure. And I admire those people. But, like, you know, no. I, I, I judge myself all day long. I don't actually need to sit down and, like, focus on judging myself again you know what i'm saying <laughs> like no yeah, that's that's totally me i i go through and i'm like oh i could have done that better I why do you that do better. that to you like, why does anyone do that to themselves like Cause, why because i want to i, I want to make it better and you know with this presentation i gave a code on the beach it, this it, it's been perplexing to me I, I talked about data profiling and it's just not a sexy topic right you talk about oh how how to find bad data and it just 
it's kind of like one of those things like it's not going to bring the boys to the yard you know it's just, <laughs> wait it's, so it's what really i'm so not. confused are you talking about milkshake here what's going on what's going on <laughs> the the data profile shake will not bring the boys to the yard yeah. and and i just had I tend to be very interactive when I present. You know, I'm more like you. I, I'm more of an introvert, um, and I prefer kind of to be by myself. But when I'm out there, kind of on stage, I really like to interact and and kind of have a good time while I'm at it. And there was really no interaction, and I just started getting fed up about it. And I just kept pushing the button, and the audience just did not like that. And they did not like uh-huh. me keep pushing the interaction button it's like no just go ahead and dance for me puppet and um <laughs> yeah. so, dance, monkey dance yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah. so i'm really interested to, to see how that how how that would look on video oh, um awesome. and just to, just to watch the train wreck of of me trying to get interaction for a crowd that doesn't want to interact you know well you know <laughs> i mean I, I mean i don't know if you experience this like i mean i'm trying to think of like have i have I completely bombed a presentation? And I think that, you know, I, I mean, I think, yes, I have to say yes, because everyone probably has, I don't, you know, um, but I think it's like, sometimes you just like, as a speaker, the energy, like if I'm getting energy from a crowd, my presentation is going to be a gazillion times better. Like the moment I get that laugh or the moment I get that eye contact where someone's nodding or something like anything that kind of just like, yeah, man, I feel you, whatever it is, whatever I'm throwing out there. The moment I get that, it's like I'm off to the races. And if you don't get that, especially early on in a presentation, it's really hard. And so you might think yep. like you might think that your presentation wasn't that good. And other people might be like, yeah, that was all right. You know, like it was it was fine. And it's just that it's it's that that slight difference. Right. Like and it can be just about the way you present. It's about something you said. It's about some feedback, whatever it may be. And and so for me, I'm always like I'm always looking for that person in the crowd who's going to like give me the eye. I'm looking for the nodder. Right. Yeah that person yeah, yeah and the minute i find them i'm like i'm i'm solid um and so i try to be that in a crowd too <laughs> you know because i yeah, know exactly. how important it is and and but you know i think that like um you know maybe maybe you think that you totally had a hard time with that preso but maybe people are like hey you know what yeah it wasn't it wasn't that bad i think people when it comes to presentations i think it's i think sometimes expectations are a little weird like people either want their whole world to be like turned upside down and learn something so amazing that's going to make them amazing right or they want to be completely like entertained the entire time and so like when I do a presentation I'm always like listen (laughs) I'm not I'm not a genius like I'm not going to go through like some kind of white paper that I wrote on you know, whatever quantum physics and like make you, you know, blow your mind or anything. But like maybe, you know, my goals are always like, can you take away one thing that I said today? Because I think for me as a person attending a session, that's valuable. If I can take away one thing that I can apply, then it was worth sitting there for the hour. And if I'm not bored, awesome. You know, and so I think sometimes people go in thinking like, you know, and it's hard because like you, you know, you're you're you 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 basically are up there for sixty minutes of someone judging you, like judgy McJudge Judge in the back, who's never decided <laughs> ever to do like a prezzo, is basically criticizing the way that you're demoing and the font size on your editor and everything, and have never really gone through the process themselves. And so I think you know, kudos. Like I think I think it's hard. And you know what? You bomb one, big deal. Whatever. 
Yeah, the, the, no actually, regrets. that's no regrets. <laughs> actually, that's how uh, Cecil and I first met face to face. Was uh, I was speaking at a code camp. It was my first technical presentation, and I bombed that one. I mean, I had demos failing. Hey, I had memes. So did he that did he really bomb it? Did he bomb it? Really? I didn't really think it was that bad, but see, it, there you go. There see. you go. Are you lying? I mean, Wait, are it, you being honest? I honestly don't think it was bad at all, to be honest. Oh, he said, I honestly, oh, not that. a good sign. Not that. a good sign. He said, but I honestly. I really thought I, it was bomb. But I, I mean, it was but I get, not my not my best. I get it, right? And I know the feeling when you go up and your demos don't work. But yeah. the thing is, even though your demos don't work, you could still kind of play it off and kind of keep yes. the, the flow and the momentum going. Yeah. So I didn't think it was bad at all. But I, mean, I, I can imagine in his head, he was probably freaking out. I don't know. I think everyone's, I think, you know what, I think it's a good experience to have something not go as smooth as you thought it would be. Like, I think it's a great experience because then you're like, never going to do that again. You know, whatever it may be. Yeah. You, you know, I got a buddy of mine. He does webcasts all the time and I will go onto his webcasts and I will sit there and ask him like silly questions. Yeah. And, you know, like if your cat was a trace flag, what would your cat, what would it do? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And do stuff like that. And just really kind of be annoying. Yeah. Uh but and I asked him, was like, does that bug you? He was like, no, dude, that gives me, you know, something to interact with. It's like I'm just not talking in my office in front of a camera. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I feel so silly, you know. So, you know, it's good to know that I at least I have someone and I'm interacting back and forth with. It. I'm like, cool, then I'm gonna keep annoying you. He goes, keep doing it. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I mean, I think there's like this just this weird thing where again i don't know if it's expectations or what but like i don't know like now when i go to presentations especially if i know if it's someone's like kind of first time or you can tell that maybe it wasn't like they it just didn't go as smooth as, as they hoped it would you know like i'll always go up and be like make a point of finding that person be like you know what like what you said about this really resonated um, I can take that back to my workflow or I can do this or this or whatever, whatever it may be. And I always try to like, you know, like bump that stuff up a little bit because I, a lot of times I'll have people be like, oh, your present was great. And like, that is such a good feeling. Like when yeah. you, when you hear that and it's such an honest, like, um, you know, like, yeah, I really enjoyed that. You're like, really? That's awesome. You know, like it's, it's such a good feeling. And I think that like, we're not a society of praise. And it's very, very hard to give praise. And so, you know, just saying, if you're seeing some sessions out there and you know that, you know, you can say one thing that's going to like add value to that person or even constructive criticism, like, hey, you know, what's a really good, like your demo was really great. But if you did this, like, I think it would be awesome. Like people are, people, I mean, should be into that, you know, should be into that kind of feedback. So um, I, tr I actively am trying to do more of that, giving more praise because I feel like, I don't know about you guys, but. I'm not a praise person, man. Like praise yeah. kind of freaks me out, you know? Yeah. Um, yep. I never know what to do with it. And so I think it's really important that like, you know, praise more, you know, people need to hear that good stuff. Yeah. That, that's why I wish that, you know, code on the beach and, and I've been to other conferences too, where they don't give the feedback, you know, there's no form or no place online where I can give feedback to the speaker. And it's like, ugh, I just really wish, um, that, all conferences had that mechanism so i could so i could kind of know hey maybe there's something that i missed that some dude in the back kind of picked up on is like oh that's a great comment i'll go ahead and implement so, that and so it, the reality of that though is that so so having been at many conferences where there is feedback is that like 
you you either you get the people who are complaining about like like just banal stuff like like you can't yeah. change or, yeah. or it's like, too cold in the room for one star right right exactly or like these chairs are extremely uncomfortable and and uh yeah. you know whatever whatever it may be or you know so usually it's stuff that you can't even control um and very rarely and I wish people were better at this, but very rarely, the best feedback I get is always people coming up to me in person. The stuff that comes back in forms, um, I have to be honest, and this is going to make me sound like such a douchebag, but I don't read it that much anymore because um, because I know personally, usually, what, and also because people will come up to me and be like, hey, you know, you're talking about this. Did you know this? And I was like, oh, awesome. You know, whatever it may be. And I, I, I kind of the feedback. I mean, I get a lot of conferences who give it to me, and, and, and I'll ask, I'll ask the organizer, is there anything in here that's like really going to change my prezo? Like, is there anything that's like I can really take away from this, or is it all just like, yeah, I had a good time, it was great? Um, and so, yeah, you know, I don't know. Have you ever written really good feedback like on a prezo? Uh, yeah, I have. Um, oh, okay. But well, you're right. Like most rare person. Most of the time, it's yeah. <laughs> okay, Gosh. we found the guy. <laughs> stop stop the ums um no uh, if if i like if i don't have a relationship with the speaker then i will write it down on the paper yeah right yeah. but if i have if i have if i know it and and we're buddies or at least acquaintances and i have a, that kind of relationship where i can say hey you know what this kind of didn't work out very well then i'll go go off and do that but praise i've i it doesn't matter <laughs> like if i know them or not yeah um we were at podcast movement and one of the keynote speakers we had met before um, at another conference and he's done, he's like won the, his, the podcast award for best travel um, podcast, like nine years in a row. I mean, the guy is just amazing. And I went up to him right afterwards and I said, uh, I don't know if you remember me. And he goes, yeah, I remember you. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, but I thought you had a really great presentation. You had really great presence. You connected with the audience really well. And I just want to thank you for that. And, and he, and this guy's a former lawyer. Right. Yeah. So he knows how to speak and knows how to present himself. And he says, oh, man, you don't know how much I worked on this. And I really appreciate your feedback because this is a st style of presenting that I've never done before. See, that's and cool. I thank you for my feedback, for your feedback. I'm like, wow. Yeah. You know, I, I you just because he did such a great job, you just never knew that he had never done this. And for that presentation for him was the riskiest thing he's ever done. Yeah. See, that's cool, though. Like, that, I mean, and that's what I mean is like, I think the most valuable feedback you know, often is the stuff that you hear in person. But again, you know, sometimes people aren't really comfortable um, saying, and that's why they do have those feedback forms. But very rarely have I ever seen anything that's of 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 really good value. And and maybe you know, maybe I need to be a little bit. Um, again, I am I, I'm working on giving praise to people. Maybe I need to work on writing like constructive feedback to people as well. You know, and and often like if I'm at a conference and I see someone present, I'll like send them like things that I thought was great about their presentation or, you know, a couple of things that I noticed or whatever. Like if I, again, usually if I have some kind of rapport with them. Yeah. 